Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. Thank you, Father God. Who's ready for an exciting Word of God? Oh, I'm excited. It's going to bless you. The Lord is good. The Lord has something good for you today. We're going to go higher in grace. You know, as First Lady mentioned, grace makes things easier for you. And I want to just reiterate, things will get easier for you. That's something that the Lord has been resonating in my heart over and over and over again. Tell my people, I want things to be easier for them. Notice I'm saying easier, right? Because there are some things that won't be easy. You understand that? There's some things that will be difficult. No question about it. In life, there are things that are difficult. In life, there are challenges. In life, there are struggles. No question about it. And you will experience some of that. We all will. That's just part of our human uh, condition. But this is why we need the grace of God to make things easier. Why is it that God wants to give you grace? Why is it that he wants to give you favor? It's because he understands that life can sometimes be unfair. Anybody have been dealt an unfair hand or someone treated you wrongly or an act of injustice was done to you? This is why God steps in. He steps in because he recognizes that some people are in situations that are not their fault. They were born in conditions that they didn't ask for. They're dealing with circumstances that they wish they didn't have to deal with. And they're asking themselves, Lord, how can I get out from this? And the answer is his grace. His grace is there to make things easier for you. And so I just want to just start from the, from, from, from the start and say this, that the grace of God is towards you today and you will grow in it. Because grace has levels to it. There's not just one level of grace. You can experience level after level after level. In fact, one of the first scriptures I want to share with you was found in Luke chapter 2. And it reads that Jesus himself, it says Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. He increased. This is Jesus we're talking about. He increased in wisdom and stature and in favor. He increased in wisdom and stature and in favor. Favor is another word for grace. That means Jesus grew in grace. Think about that for a second. I mean, that's a deep theological concept to, con to consider. Jesus himself was at a level of grace one day, and there was another season in his life when he had more grace than he had before. I want you to really wrap your mind around that concept, that Jesus himself had to grow in grace. He had to grow in favor with God and man. That means there are levels to this. That means you can have a certain level of grace with people, a certain rapport with people, and they can go higher as you get along in life, as you grow in understanding, as you develop in your walk with God. That's what I'm speaking over you today, that things will get easier for you. Amen. You don't have to constantly butt heads with people. You don't have to constantly be in strife. You don't have to constantly be at war with people in your home. You don't have to not get along with, the, with, with your co-parent uh, relationship. No, you can have grace. 
I know people who've had difficulty co-parenting. Maybe they, you know, have a child together and they just can't seem to get along with the father or the mother of their child. And all of a sudden they enter into a season where grace steps in and it makes that relationship easier. I'm speaking that over your life in the name of Jesus. How many want more grace? You know, I have a friend um, who, who lives in a very nice neighborhood, one of the, one of the more expensive neighborhoods in, in Queens, he and his wife and his children. And he shares a story how, um, and this is a very expensive area to live in, when he and his wife were looking for this house, when they were looking for their new house to live in, they, they, you know, they stumbled upon it, they walked in, and the, the seller of the house said, I want to sell it to you. Even though they were offering less money than other offers, and they had less money to put down. I want you to think about that. They were offering less money. So let's just say the house was going for $600,000. They were offering five hundred, dollars And let's just say initially they wanted, say, 10% down. They wanted $60,000. They were offering $40,000 down. And others came up with that money. Others said, I have the six hundred. dollars and I have the 60,000, and I want this house. And they denied them. And they said, you know why we're giving you the house? It's going to be a very simple reason. It's going to blow your mind. He says, you, were the only, you and your wife were the only people who came to the house and said hello to our daughter. Everybody else came in, or like they just wanted to see, okay, let me look at the cabinets, oh, okay. And they could care less about, but he says, when you guys came in, the first thing you did was you acknowledged my daughter. That's why I'm selling you this house. Grace was afforded to them because they were kind, because they released something. I want you to understand something that life doesn't have to be a struggle. If you understand the wisdom that is in God's word, God wants to make things easier for you. And when you come here, I want you to understand that I have no bad news for you. I have nothing. To, I'm not preaching down to you. I'm not yelling to you. I'm releasing the force of grace over your life, over your family, over your finances, because I believe God wants to do something radical in you. And he wants to do it by his grace. So this is the season, I want to just tell you right now, this is the season where you need to sow grace. If you want to experience grace, you want to experience things getting easier for you, you want to experience going from one level to the next, this is the season where you, and this is the part that people don't like, I'll get to the good part, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to the hard part first. This is the part where you have to determine, I'm going to be one who is showing grace to others. I want my husband to be more gracious to me. I want you to be more gracious to him. I want my boss to be more gracious to me. I want you to be more gracious to them. I want this, Lord. I, want, I, want, I wish people would help me more. Okay, that's going to happen, but I want you to release the force of grace. This is the season. I'm telling you right now. This is the season where you need to sow in grace because as you sow, you're going to be reaping a harvest of people who want to do things for you, make things easier for you, and you'll be saying, wow, why all of a sudden this is happening? It's because of the seeds you sowed. This is the season of sowing. Let me give you three principles of sowing. You will reap what you sow. Somebody say, I will reap, I will reap. what I sow. Number two, you will reap more than what you sowed. Oh, that's a good, that's the good part. You will reap more than what you sow. Here's the part you're not going to like. 
You will reap later than when you sowed. You will reap later than when you sowed. So that means you have to be comfortable sowing in a season where you don't see a harvest right away. But this is the principle. You will reap what you sow. You will reap more than what you sowed, and you will reap later than when you sowed. But you will reap in the name of Jesus. And if you would commit your life right now to be one who sows grace, you're going to get hit with an avalanche of grace. This community, how are we going to reach this community? By the grace of God. We're going to be gracious to this community. We're going to give to this community. We're going to bless this community. We're going to be kind to this community. We're going to pray for this community. As we sow into this community, this community will sow into the work of God. Anybody believe that? Amen. As you sow into your own neighborhood, maybe you live in one of those neighborhoods where it's not safe to walk out at night. Well, you know what? Let me give you, let me give you a hint. Don't curse your neighborhood. Don't be like, yo, I live in the ghetto. I can't stand. That's why you can't. That's why I hate this neighborhood. No, no, no. I declare that my neighborhood is blessed. I declare that crime will go down. I declare that this neighborhood is increasing in God's favor. I declare that the economy of my neighborhood is increasing. It's, it's getting stronger. The apartment values, the home values are increasing. The schools are getting better. In the name of Jesus, if you begin to sow into your community, you will reap from your community. That's one of the first things I did when I moved into my neighborhood. I said, Lord, I declare that this neighborhood will improve since I've, since I've arrived. And it has. Now, I'm not trying to be lofty to say that it only it's because of that one prayer. But I'm telling you, I've contributed in my neighborhood just, just by doing that. Now, there's more to do. You can be involved. You can be in, involved in civic associations. You can volunteer. You can do a whole bunch of other things. But it starts with your words. Begin to bless your community. Begin to bless your home. Begin to bless your children. Begin to bless your work. Let nothing evil come out of your mouth. Let it be only blessing. And if you would commit yourself to that, you will be hit with an avalanche of grace. This is the season. Somebody said, this is the season where I sow grace to others in the name of Jesus. Oh, come on. How many, how many are receiving this word? You want to change your marriage? Be gracious to your spouse. You want to change the relationship you have with your children? Be gracious to them. Why? This is the pattern of heaven. God himself did this. The Bible says that while we were God's enemies, he died for us. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Think about that. Not while there was a truce, not while there was peace, not while we kind of warmed up to him. No, while we were his enemies, in that state, he died. Why? God was saying, I'm going to release grace to change the nature of this relationship. Grace is the thing that changes things. It's the thing that changes relationships. It's the thing that changed a toxic environment to a happy environment. That's what I'm saying over your life today. Any form of toxic, of toxic in, 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 your, in your family will change if you commit to being gracious. Not being a participant of what's toxic, but speaking life to it in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I will be gracious. This is the season to sow grace at a new level. Number two, this is going to really help you. I was uh, just driving with my wife, and we were just sharing, we were just kind of talking about this, and the Lord began to stir in me. One of the things that's going to cause more grace to enter your life is if you live a life 
that demands it. I want you to pay careful attention to that. You want things to be easier? Wonderful. What do you need to be easier? Put God to the test to do something big in your life. Grace flows when you make a demand for it. In other words, what are you putting yourself out for where you say, Lord, if it's not you, it won't happen. And I feel this very strong in my spirit. I'm going to just say it to you very clearly. I believe more people in here need to be business owners. Yeah, I thank you for that clap, that enthusiasm, because I believe it. Now, some of you are like, I'm not a business person. Let me tell you something. You really are. Let me explain to you why you're a business person. See, I used to say, oh, it doesn't mean everyone's going to own their own business. I'm, I, I want to kind of go on the other side a little bit. I feel like, and I'm just speaking this over live church, we need more business owners. You ever been on a job interview? Right? Now, when you went on a job interview, believe it or not, you were representing your own business in that moment. Yes. You presented yourself as someone who had a skill, who had an ability, who could solve a problem, and then the business said, you know what? We want to hire you and make you part of us. Uh, owning your own business is simply saying, yeah, that's cool, but I also offer this to other businesses. So whatever you do, whatever your ability is, whatever your skill is, trust me, this is the Bible. This is, this, is, this, this is the spirit of God. I believe the Lord wants to tell you this. You can offer it to other sources, other places, and that becomes a business. Let me, play, let me say it this way. Let's just say you are great at, admin, at admin, administration. So you get hired to be an administrator. Wonderful. Well, you know that there are people who will hire you to be an administrator, a virtual administrator. Right. And you can serve this company, serve that company, serve this company, serve that. And get, there you go. You're still doing administration. You're still doing what you do. You still do what you love, but you're doing it for several people. There you go. That's your own business. Why do I believe this is important? It's because I believe that we're entering a season where God wants your time to be free. He wants you to have more flexibility to do things that he's called you to do. And you're going to be. It's going to be necessary for you to be in a position not only to make more money, but to have more freedom and flexibility with how you work. And maybe this is not for some of you. Maybe you're like, ah, no, you lost me there. I will never own my own business. I'll never do this. I feel comfortable with this. Not everybody's a business owner. I believe that there's some people in this room that are like, yes, Lord, that's me. Not because I just can't take orders from people. Not because I can't work for somebody. Not for those fleshly reasons. You know, people like that, oh, I, I got to have my own business because I can't work for people. No, 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 no. If you can't work for people, you can't own your own business. If you can't submit to a boss, you can't own your own business. You can't. The Bible says that who's going to give your own if you're not faithful to, for, for that was, is someone else's. So you have to be able to submit. You have to be able to take leadership uh, uh, um, um, cues from people. But if you just know beyond that, there is a call in my life where I need to employ people. Well, I need to shape culture. I need to be able to lead people. I need to be able to invest in communities. If you know that there's something in your heart that, God, you've called me to open up clinics, open up organizations, open up, do something bigger. If you begin to make a demand on it, grace will begin to flow. All right? Let me just say it this way. 
You need a certain level of grace to work nine to five. You need another level of grace to own your own business. So what am I saying to you very clearly? When you put a demand on grace, it will flow. If you don't make room for it, you're saying to God, I don't need more of it. But when you say, Lord, I'm doing something because you put it in my heart. I'm doing something because I believe that this is part of my destiny that you've given me. I need more grace. That's when the grace begins to flow. Grace begins to flow when you make a demand for it. Where are those who are making a demand for the grace? Joshua was fighting a war. He said, God, the war is going great. We're winning, but we need more time. So what did he say? He said, son, I want you to stop. In other words, the earth, because you know the sun is not revolving like that. He says, I want the earth to stop. And I need more sunlight. I need more daylight for an extra 12 to 24 hours. And the Bible says the earth stopped rotating on its axis so that they can finish this war. He made a demand for something big, and that's when the grace began to flow. I need more grace. Great. What are you doing? Why should I give you more grace? What do you need me to do for you? If you would say, Lord, I challenge you to do beyond what I can do in my own strength, the grace will begin to flow like never before. I heard the Bible say it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. So if you're just doing stuff by your own might, by your own power, by your own ability, you'll have limited grace. But if you would put yourself in a position where you say, Lord, I can't do it myself. I don't know the answers. I don't have the intellect for all of this. I'm smart, but I need more smarts. I'm able, but I need more ability. I have some money, but I need more money. If you would put yourself in that position where you are in need for more and you make a demand for more, grace will begin to flow. Where are my demanders of grace? How do you demand grace? You put a demand on it by doing big things and saying, Lord, you need to fill in the gap. You need to fill in the gap. You need to be like Moses. Lord, I did what you told me to do. I brought the people out of Egypt. I brought them to this point. Now we need to cross through this Red Sea. Let me see your power. Grace begins to flow. That sea would not have opened up if, they didn't, if he wasn't brought to that point. That's what I'm trying to tell you today. Grace wants to flow your way, but you got to make a demand for it. I'm speaking that you're going to make a demand for it. Lord, I have a big, big heart that I believe you've given me. I want to help orphans. I want to help teenagers. I want to help women. I want to help men. I want to help people who are on, on drugs. I want to do something amazing. And I believe that you've called me to it. It's not just ambition. It's not just desire. It's what I sense that you're calling me to. Lord, I need more grace. And I'm going to make this step. I'm going to take the step of faith. And when you do that, the grace begins to flow. In the name of Jesus. I'm declaring that there is a demand of grace over your life and grace is flowing towards you in Jesus' name. Now, if you keep doing what you're doing, guess what? You're going to have the same level of grace. But if you decide, this is cool, but it's time for me to go up, that's when the grace will begin to flow. That's where I'm at right now. Lord, this is cool, but it's time for us to go up. Right? Lord, this is cool. But there's too many people in this community for us to, to reach. It's time to go up. Lord, thank you for this salary. Thank you for it. I don't complain about it. Thank you, Lord. But it's time to go up. Lord, thank you for this home. Thank you for this. Thank you for this family. I, I, I bless you, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for it. But it's time to go up. 
When you declare that it's time to go up, you're making a demand on the grace of God over your life. I'm speaking that over you today. Grace will make things easier for you. I believe some of you need to begin to make products. You need to make stuff. I see inventors in this place. I see, I see people who are inventing even courses and tutorials, people who need to know what you know. Yes, you can, instead of saying, Lord, I need your grace to get me out of this jam. Lord, give me grace to help other people get out of their jam. I want more in the name of the Lord Jesus. Is this good for you? Let me move on. This is great. Number three, live, oh, man, you guys, I hope you guys are going to like me about this. Live beyond personal pleasure. Live beyond personal pleasure. You want grace? Don't make your life about just living a life of pleasure. I like pleasure, but if you live a life of pleasure, you're going to miss the grace of God. Here's what I mean by living a life of pleasure. God wants to please you. He wants to bless you. We know that God is good. But if the core of what you do centers around being pleased, your dreams and your aspirations coming to pass, what you want, living your best life, if everything comes around to you, you are going to miss the grace of God. Because I want to, as, as good as all I said is, I want to tell you something right now. Grace flows to those who do not box themselves in by their own pleasures. Jesus said it this way. The word of God is choked out of people's lives because of the desires of life or the pleasures of life. And many times the things that get in the way of us producing is that we're eating the product. We're eating the things that God is like, listen, that's great. I bless you for this, but it's for a greater purpose. You're just consuming it as soon as it comes to you. No, hold out a little bit. Don't live a life centered around your own pleasures. And I will do great things with you. Turn with me to James. This is going to bless you. James 4, 1 to 6. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? That war in your members? Members meaning your own flesh? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Oh, I used to hate that verse when I was growing up. Oh, I used to hate that verse. I don't, if you grew up in church like I do, like I did, maybe you had parents that just had those verses that, oh, you're like. My, my, my parents' favorite verse was, yeah, they had two. One, obey your parents. <laughs> two was, you can't be a friend of the world. Can't be a friend of the world. Can't be a friend of the world. I said, oh, come on, stop with the nonsense. <laughs> anybody, anybody felt that? Yes. But as you develop and as you grow spiritually, you understand it's not nonsense. Here's the bigger picture. God wants to do big things with you, for you, through you, all of that. But if the center of your life revolves around enjoy, I'm going to say it this way. This is going really, to really drive it home. 
Some people think that the best and the most important thing is so long as you are happy. You know what I'm talking about? So long as you are happy. Some people won't even confront things that they see in their friends' lives because they are happy. You, you know people that are living ways that they should not, but so long as you're happy. And happiness has become people's God. And there is no place in people's lives where they say, you know what, Lord? Even if I have to forfeit happiness. Oh, no, 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 no. Forfeit happiness? You kidding me? I've only got one life to live. Even if you have to forfeit. No, no, no. I'm not forfeiting nothing. This is my life. This is what I want to do. This is my... And I realize that if you live a life where the center of your life revolves around your happiness, you will miss God. Because I'm going to be very clear with you. There will be times where the Lord will even ask you to sacrifice your happiness. And this is where maturity comes in. I, I, I saved the hardest for last. Because maturity is this. Lord, it's not really about my happiness. It's really about yours. Mm. Took me a while to realize that. Nah, Lord, it's about me. It's about my life, about my house, about my family, about me. Uh, <laughs> you know, no. God is like, no, it's about my dreams. It's about my will. It's about what I want. Now, is that okay with you? What if I ask this of you and you don't like it? Am I really God or am I just Savior? Am I God? Or am I just rescuer, deliverer? Am I God or not? And when we come to the point where we're like, you know what, God? Yes, you are God. And so though this thing I think makes me happy, and this is what I want to preserve, and this is my thing here, I'm going to allow you the space to deal with it and deal with me concerning it. So sometimes God will even ask you to forfeit the things that make you happy. And the reason why is because it makes you happy. That can, if that makes you happy, then that's the problem. That's the problem. Anything that you, and you've heard me say this many times, anything that you cannot release to God becomes your God. Anything that is the source of your happiness is your God. So if it makes you anything... Oh, that's the problem. Yes. Yes. And so we see James challenging the believers. He says, whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. Oh, some people can't understand that. How is it God is a jealous God? God owns everything. How is he a jealous God? Jealous sometimes seems kind of petty. Like you were jealous because this person, you know, did this and you wanted that. That's not the kind of jealousy that we're talking about here. When the Bible calls God jealous, he is jealous in the sense that he wants what belongs to him. If you're married and your spouse is with someone, you're going to be jealous. And that is a righteous jealous. That's not a petty jealous. And God is saying, you belong to me. 
You belong to me. And when you are friends with a system that is anti-me, it's like being married to someone and that person is going around dissing you to, 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 to people who don't like you. Think about that. Imagine you had a husband, you had a wife, and your spouse is actually talking negatively about you or allowing people to talk negatively about you and they're not even checking it. They're like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, yeah, that's messed up. I, I got to live with the person, you telling me. Like, imagine that. Well, God is like, listen, how can you be down and be friends with a system that is antagonistic to the things that I value, that hates what I love, that is against the things that I'm for? You can love the people, but you cannot love the system. You can love the people, but you cannot love the system. And the system will try to pull you away from the things that are right, the things that are pure. The system will exalt the things that are evil and look down upon the things that are, that, that are right. And God is like, listen, I want you to reject that system and be, be lovers of God, be lovers of me. That's what it means. And that's where grace begins to flow. I didn't even put this down, but if you can even go to the next, next verse, Jay. And you'll see it connects. Let's read it together. One, two, three. All of that I just read, he gives more grace to those who submit to what I just shared. Yes, Lord. I want to be happy in life, no doubt. I want good things in life, yes. I want to have nice vacations, yes. I want, to, I want to enjoy my life, yes. These things are good. I know you put them in me. There's certain desires that are nice and good and great. But Lord, what would it be to me if that is the thing that drives me? No, Lord, I'd rather forego anything like that and do your will than make those things the center of my life. Pleasures, we all want them, we all have them, we all, that's, it's, it's all good. But God is like, look, do you serve pleasures or do you serve me? And if you come to the place where you say, Lord, I'm not serving. There's some people who will never fast because they just love food too much. Oh, man, I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking about somebody, somebody here. Fast. Fast, what's that? Now, I'm not... Listen, for some of us, that's a new thing. And I'm, not, I'm just being funny here, but I'm just being honest. Even myself, there were times I'm like, oh, Lord, I just love food. Like, I just, I can't, like, you serious? I got to put down the beans and rice? Like, I love the food. And God was like, listen, there's a season in, in your life right now where I'm asking you to give up some things. I know it makes you happy. I know you, you enjoy this and you like this. But where I'm taking you, where I'm taking, you know how like a runner, if you, if you observe a runner, a sprinter, someone who's an Olympic runner, they, they're not dressed like this. They, they, they don't just have any kind of flimsy shorts on. I mean, they have the tightest stuff on, right? Why? They cannot afford to have excess. If they're going to run the race, if they're going to finish it, if they're going to be competitive, if they're going to move with speed, they cannot have excess. And so sometimes God is like, listen, I want you to get rid of the excess. I want you to cut off all the extra weight, all the extra stuff that is not, it's not evil. It's just not necessary right now. 
That's it. It's not evil. It's not evil. It's not sinful. It doesn't make you not a Christian. It's not something that I'm, I'm completely ashamed. No, it's just not necessary right now. Anybody felt the Lord deal with that? Okay, this is cool, but it's just not necessary right now. Just not necessary right now. Let's, you're not going to always wear the tight, the tight clothes to run the race. It's, just, it's, it's a short race. It's going to be over in a couple of minutes. I just need you to cut it off now so you can finish that race. There have been times where the Lord will add to me. He says, okay, this is okay. I, you can enjoy this. This is fine. But in this season, I want you to limit that. And the reason why I don't get so specific with people is because I don't believe in preaching legalistically. I'm not here telling you, oh, get out the clubs, do this, stop smoking. I don't do that because I believe the Holy Spirit is in you, and he will tell you, yeah, this is something I, it's cool. But it's just not necessary right now. Maybe, maybe there'll be a time where people always ask me, oh, can I get a tattoo? Oh, you know, I, I hate those kind of, and not, if you ask that question, no, I'm, not, I'm not talking about you, but those questions always annoy me because I'm like, God is not into that. Telling you don't get a tattoo, that, that's, that doesn't mean nothing to God. But I will tell you this, one thing I discovered, if your body is his, before you do anything, just ask him, are you cool with it? You know what I believe will happen if we do that? Some people will hear, yes, it's okay. Some people will hear, nah, not for you. That's what I really believe. Some people will say, some people will hear by the Spirit of God, it's okay. You can do this. I'm okay with that. And then some people are like, no, listen, I delivered you from something, and I cannot afford for you to go back to this. And you need to stay clear of that. That's how the spirit of God works. He's not legalistic. He's not trying to box you in, trying to make you, you know, no, it's not about that. But it's about saying, Lord, what I want for my life is your best. And if you have that heart, God will begin to speak to you and lead you. And more grace will be given to you. Things will become easier for you in the name of the Lord Jesus. How many want more grace? You want more grace? Don't, don't make pleasures. Don't make your pride the center of your decision. Some of you, you need to step away from the things that you're proud of. And be, you know what, God, I'm proud of this, but I'm willing to submit that and yield that over to you. Don't care for things too much where your pride gets in the way from hearing from God. No, Lord, my, the, the center of my heart is doing your will. The center of my heart is pleasing you. Not pleasing me, pleasing you. Lord, is this pleasurable to you? Is this satisfying to you? In the name of Jesus. Amen. Are you guys with me on that? I see pleasures of God here right now. People are going to be pleasers of God in the name of Jesus, not pleasers of man. Not pleasers of man. I remember in my life, that was one of the things the Lord dealt with me years ago. He says, you care too much about people's opinions. And if you care too much about people's opinions, I can't use you. Because it's the people who care about people's opinions that won't do what I tell them. That was King Saul's downfall. He cared too much about what people thought, and that's what cost him the kingdom. It wasn't the fact that he just didn't sacrifice the animals, or he didn't do this. No, if you read his life, he cared too much about what people thought. And so for us, that's not our portion in Jesus' name. 
Hallelujah. How many are pleasers of God? I want to pray for everyone here. Would you bow your head? I want to lead you into what we call a salvation prayer. If you are here for the first time or maybe this is your hundredth time, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to be very clear on what I'm asking you. I want you to walk out of here with an understanding that you are saved, that you've received Jesus, but you need to receive him right now. And that means not necessarily joining this church, although you're welcome to do that, but what I'm really asking you to do is to surrender your life to him. And I want you to ask yourself a question. Have I been living life on my terms? Is my happiness and my desires the center of my decision making? Or have I ever come to the point where I said, God, I, don't, I no longer want to live my life on my terms. I'm surrendering my life to you. What do you have to say to me? What's your will? What's your desire? I want your best. So I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you first and foremost. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've never surrendered your life to him, he is calling you. And he's asking you and demanding that you repent of your sin and come to him now in Jesus' name. Say this with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive your son, Jesus, as my savior. I repent of my sin. And I ask you to come into my life and make me a new person. I need you. I receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that for the first time, something supernaturally happened to you. The Holy Spirit entered your life. He has made you a new person. You are a completely different person by the name of Jesus. You, are, you may look the same, but you're different. You're different on the inside. The Holy Spirit entered you, and he has changed you supernaturally in an instant. You are as saved as anybody who has prayed that prayer before. You may think, well, I'm still dealing with some things, or I still want to do some things, or some things are still hard for me. Or, I don't understand everything. That's okay. That's not what your salvation is based on. It's based on you acknowledging, I need a Savior. And if you've prayed that with that understanding, you are saved today. And I salute you, and I commend you, and I'm proud of you. I want to help you grow spiritually. I want to help you grow. So if we can put that connect site back on just in case you missed it. I would love for you to receive Jesus. I would love for you to follow up with us and let us know that you've made that decision for the very first time. That connect site is nylifechurch.com slash connect. nylifechurch.com slash connect. nylifechurch.com slash connect. Would you let us know? I pray this prayer for the first time. There's a place where you can indicate that. We want to help you grow spiritually. We want to help you grow. And if you would give us the opportunity, we will help you grow. We will pray with you. We will give you resources. We will help you grow in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And if you need prayer right after we dismiss in a few minutes, you're welcome to come to my left right here. We'll have our prayer team available for you. We want to pray for you and help you grow and help you and answer any questions that you might need or, 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 or have. We want to be there for you. Glory to God. Thank you, Father God. I believe that some people have given their lives for the first time today, and I'm so excited about that in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray for every person in this room that has been living their life on their terms, but they have been felt, they, they felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I need to yield myself to you and receive more grace. I can't experience a new level of grace by just being headstrong and doing it my way or the highway. No, today we make a decision today as a church. Lord, it's your way. And we say yes to it in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
So right where you're sitting, even though we prayed this earlier, maybe you came a little later or maybe you didn't jump in on this. But if you need to recommit some things to God and you've been kind of like headstrong and, and kind of arguing with God saying, no, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do what I want to do right now. Before we close, I want to give you an opportunity to say, Lord, you know what? I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I believe in you, but I, I need to really yield my will to you. I've been fighting against you. I've been going against the grain, but today is a new day for me. I'm saying yes to you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll just take another minute to do that. Just right where you're sitting. Talk to the Lord. What does that word mean to you? Release that to him right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm going to submit my sexuality to you. I'm going to submit, Lord God, my recreational habits to you. I'm going to submit my relationships to you. I'm going to submit my time to you. Lord, I'm going to submit my entertainment preferences to you. Lord, I give it to you in the name. Shape it. Help me. I receive your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.nylifechurch.com.